welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including reviews and interviews, coming to you again all the way from the hustle and bustle of a busy arcade. I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis, and joining me from the center of a Hanobi game console, because now he's again all glitched out, is my co-host, my buddy, Dave Trumbor. David, 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 how you doing, bud? Doing good, bud. I am glitched again, though, so... <laughs> It's a bit of a <laughs> recurring theme here, I feel like. You can kind of see it a little bit. I got a ghost glitch Ooh. thing kind of going on. I don't know. I think it'll be all right, though. Surprisingly, given the color palette that they use to show and animate glitches, it is a slight green, and you have a little slight green hue if green anybody is actually gills. watching this. Good. Was it going to go in that direction? You could. But here we are. Here we are. Okay. So <laughs> we've got a little bit of green because we're actually recording this as a video. Yeah. Also, releasing this as an audio podcast. Hopefully. So, no worries. This is two birds, one stone. Yeah, something going. like that. Two glitches, one tech. I think yeah. that works. That works. <laughs> should be really, it should just be two techs, one glitch. Mm, do you need two techs for We're... one glitch? Depends on if you're Mitch yeah. or if you're Miko and Fives. Yeah, it, Depends it on varies. if you're, you're an ace or uh, if you prefer <laughs> teamwork, really. Fair. Fair. Very fair. Topical. Man, even. We, topical. We are talking about Glitch Tech Season 2. Yeah. Nickelodeon created this. Netflix is releasing this. It is available now. You can check it out. We have watched all of season one all and season two now. Everything. Right. We have even had a chance and an opportunity to talk to Dan Milano previously for one of our interviews that we've had, and we've had a chance to review season one earlier this year when it first came out. Dave, yeah. we're getting into season two. This is almost as if we're hitting one of those Voltron moves where we're releasing multiple seasons a year, and now we're talking about them. We didn't do that always with She-Ra as well as also Voltron. True. Why is Glitch Tech special for us? Uh, I don't know. I think maybe we just realized that it would be a good idea to talk about shows as they come out. Um, <laughs> but also, like, we have had uh, seasonal interviews with, you know, like, Noelle Stevenson, showrunner of She-Ra, which is difficult to say. Uh, but we've had multiple interviews with her over the years, pretty much as, like, I say over the years. It feels like there were, like, seven or eight <laughs> seasons of She-Ra, but they all came out within, like, two years. It's crazy how the Netflix model kind of, like, warps your brain when it comes to time. Because it's like, some of this stuff has only been out since, you know, 2016 at the earliest, but it's like, we've go we've run through, like, 85 episodes of it. Um, so Glitch Text, Glitch Text is interesting because we didn't 100% know that a season two was going to show up, and uh, then it just kind of randomly dropped, and we'll talk a little bit about Netflix and how much they do or do not actually help promote the shows that are streaming on their service. Uh, we'll get into that in, I don't know, maybe one of the three sections that are coming up here today. <laughs> Which one? Who knows? Oh, I don't know. I feel like you have a stern dad warning or talk yeah. that you want to deliver to Netflix. For my son, Netflix. <laughs> my wayward if... garbage son oh jeez which wow, one of my garbage this... sons are you you don't remember that meme uh, the dreaded no, laramie no no nah, well we'll look that up off stream what, okay <laughs> while you guys are listening to us struggle go google the dreaded laramie and have a good time i will say one of the reasons that i wanted to talk about Glitch Text season two so much yeah. personally is I fell in love with season one. It left me hanging, waiting for more. Yeah. When I heard that season two was about to be released, I was very pumped. It was probably about a week plus ago. Yeah. Just randomly got some updates that this was going to be coming out. Was very excited about it. Geared up for a weekend where I thought to myself, man, I am going to binge season two take care of this and then it came out on a monday so again yeah. i'm gonna talk to my garbage son <laughs> netflix some stern words what did, oh my gosh are we, dual we have dads? the same son are we dads no, from two different paternity test area jerry cats. springer style at the end of this or at least in the lol stay tuned right? uh, i will say yeah. you know one of the weird and rare combinations of something that feels very nostalgic, very modern, and is incredibly fun from the get-go. Yeah. All of that encapsulates Glitch Tech's 
season one and season two. I can't wait to talk about this a little bit more because you and I have both, we both watched now all of season two as well. So we are caught up. I finished it last night. We are good to go. I didn't just watch the last nine episodes, though. I actually did watch the first one uh, as oh. well. Unlike unlike my hoops faux pas. Uh, what's interesting? We don't even about talk about one, that show. We it doesn't that exist. Show doesn't even exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I will briefly mention the possibility that a show called Hoops could possibly exist in one of these sections. Uh, but what's funny about this show is we sometimes we're like, wait a minute, what is our schedule? Did we post this already? Has that gone up? Are, are we not? Is that not until like a month from now? We actually we got a shout out from the creator of the, this show, Glitch Text, uh, thanking us for our review. It hadn't gone up yet. It was another animation podcast, which we appreciate the shout out. And it was just kind of jumping the gun a little bit because we had planned to review season two before that was out there on Twitter. So now we have to give a shout out back to uh, Overtly Animation. I hope I've got that right. And we got to check out their episode as well. So if you guys want a second opinion, head on over to Overtly Animation and check out the Season 2 Glitch Text Review as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct you on that. Oh, it's no. Overly Animated. It's Overly Animated is the podcast that they have that comes out. They talk a lot about Owl House and Infinity Train. Yeah. It's OverlyAnimated.com. I was so and close, at guys. Overly Animated on Twitter as well. That extra T gets they... me every time. <laughs> it's okay. Look. There have been some communication issues that we've had back and forth with Dan Milano and other podcasts that review cartoons. We're all here to talk about things that we love in a, in a fun manner. I'm happy so. that they're out there. And, and honestly, that kind of put it on my radar. Uh, I didn't know about that before because when we, I mean, we've been doing this for six years. When we had searched for animation podcasts before, some of them popped up. But a lot of them were kind of, they were either inconsistent or they were defunct by the time we were looking for them. Or they just haven't kind of uh, stuck around consistently for uh, the amount of time that we have. These guys, they seem like they, they are consistent. They've got, you know, good numbers and stuff on YouTube. I just need to check them out and learn how to spell. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Look, we're, we're sorting this out. We're, we're doing this after six years. You might think to yourself, they have probably put in their 10,000 hours. They should be experts at this. This should be a breeze for them. Guess what? Every day is interesting. <laughs> and that's fine. So Overly Animated, yeah. thank you so much. Go check them out as well. And then also follow Dan Milano, yeah. who is uh, somebody who frequently tweets and messages and is very kind about everything. So definitely go talk to him. And uh, hopefully uh, it sounds like and it seems like they are pushing to try to get glitch techs to get renewed yep. and your social media help is always appreciated. I believe one of the hashtags that they've been using is hashtag renew glitch text and trying to get that to trend. Yeah. Uh, you can check it out. I'm sure there Dan is going to be helping coordinate some of that. So make sure you give him a follow as they kind of, you know, prep and, and try to launch and build awareness about the show. Definitely retreat, help them out. Uh, I want to see a season three, I man, can. we're jumping the gun with that. I'm already at the, already I'm the, already at the end of this episode. And we'll even say, I'll jump in there with you because season two kind of ends in a satisfying way, but also definitely sets up stuff uh, that can come in another season or more. So I want to see more. Right. That's the whole show. Thanks for listening. That's the whole show. Later. We're done. Just kidding. We've had a chance to kind of go back and forth a little bit about what we have been enjoying about Glitch Text, but guess what? You might not be aware of this show. This might be the first time. Maybe you missed our season one episode earlier this year. To break it all down and to give us a synopsis, we're going to turn this over to best friend of the show and longtime listener, Bobby Anthem. Bobby, take it away, friend. Glitch Text was co-created by Eric Robles and Dan Milano and produced by Nickelodeon Animation Studios for Netflix. It centers on two teens who work at a game store as a front for their actual job, hunting video game monsters who've broken out into the real world. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bobby. We have been doing this fun thing where we ask, and we always pause the question, where would we put Bobby? Where in the world is Bobby Anthem? Is, is Bobby San Diego? Yeah. Where would we put Bobby in this show? I believe last time when we reviewed season one, we said we would make him the voice of Bit, who is a helper robot that is behind Dave right now. The unfortunate and sad thing is, is that that character is actually voiced by Dan Milano. So <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Of Dan in order to get <laughs> Bobby in there. Sorry, Dan. Like, I got to go with Bobby. Love Bobby. Well, I will say one thing we learned in this season, though, there is the existence of other tech teams. There are other regions. There are other sort of like sectors or, or whatever their nomenclature was for them. Yeah. 
And I will also say that there are different iterations of possibly Bit himself. Yeah. So there's plenty of room for be, everybody. Could be more. Plenty of room could for everybody. Bit, could be a Bit Prime. Could be maybe a, a Bit Omega. I don't know. I was just going to say that. So yeah, season three, Bit Omega happening. Bit Omega, please. Voiced by Bobby <laughs> And Dan, you know, if you're looking for Bobby, just feel free to tweet at us. We'll put your contact. Yeah, yeah, we got you. <laughs> so. In order to talk about season two of Glitch Sex, we're going to break this down into three quick categories. The good, the bad, the LOL. Does that sound like a spaghetti western? You bet your plate of spaghetti it does. We're going to talk about the good things. It's a bucket this time. I need to correct you. It's a bucket of spaghetti. Yeah, you're right. I think that's literally where the bucket of spaghetti came from before. It was actually this show. The bucket of spaghetti. Bucket of spaghetti. Get it together. How could I have been so wrong with this? Happens. Three buckets of spaghetti that mm. we have. You bet your bucket on this. Don't worry. We'll break it all down. The good things that we really like about this show, things that resonated with us. We'll talk about the bad things that we didn't like, things that didn't resonate. You know, uh, critiques and criticism that we have of the show. Finally, the LOL things that made us laugh, whether it was intentional or unintentional. We want to kind of throw this out there with saying that we know that a lot of time, energy, blood, sweat, tears, money goes into making all of these spaghetti. cartoons spaghetti. So, you know, you think sometimes, hey, uh, typically Dave and I are reviewing and we're giving everybody a snap critique based off of one single episode. In this case, we've watched all 20 episodes and recently the latest 10 episodes for season two yeah. of Glitch Text. So I feel like I'm an authority on it. So if you don't agree with us at this point, come at me. I don't know. Tweet at me. Whatever you need to do. It doesn't matter. I feel like you'll it's be fine. It's a cartoon fine. show. It's, yeah. It yeah, should be fun. You should have fun. We'll be okay with this one. Understanding this. We'll be okay. <laughs> we'll be Don't okay. worry. Yeah. That's, it's a very soft punch that I tried to land there, and everybody was like, oof. Last week, last week, that made sense. That would be fine. People have opinions. A lot of them are terrible. Uh, this week, I think everybody's going to get along just fine. Yeah. In order to kind of get into this from the beginning, let's talk about the good Good things that we like in Glitch Tech Season 2. Dave, how are you feeling? Where are we landing with this? Yeah, I don't want to repeat a lot of the stuff we kind of talked about in Season 1, especially if you guys are clicking the link that might be somewhere over in that direction and uh, listening to our, our Season 1 review. Um, so the theme song stayed the same. The sort of character design, the cast, the look of the show, that's all the same, and it's still just as good as it was in Season 1. But there was something about the animation this season that was just... It was kind of mind-blowing, and I don't know, I can't really put my finger on exactly what it was, but just everything worked so, so, so well in every scene. There was nothing where I was looking at it and just being like, ah, okay, they cut some corners there, or this was a reused whatever um, asset from, from season one or, or whatever. This show comes at you from, like, interesting visual angles in pretty much every scene, which is unusual for cartoons. The action is fantastic. I mean, it's it's very... I know this is silly to say, it's very cartoonish, but it's on the same kind of level as like a Ruby or a Castlevania with just the way that the characters move, the the way they kind of react to the physics of the world, the way that the uh, the animators and the writers kind of fold in all these video game lore and, and mechanics to, to the fights themselves and to the action sequences. So like, yeah, the animation was absolutely solid and just like a real joy to watch. It really made it just fun and visually entertaining to just sit back and watch this kind of like big colorful explosion just kind of happen over 10 episodes. How about you? No, I want to also reference, we've talked, as you mentioned, a little bit about the animation yeah. in our first episode. It's episode 266 if you want to go back and listen to that. I agree with you. There is so much that is enjoyable in terms of the the animation, the design, the interesting thing that I know that Dan Milano has talked about on Twitter is that the first season when it was originally released had some issue with its color correction Mm. and how it was uploaded to Netflix and how it was streaming. They have now since gone back and corrected that. So if you go back and watch season one, it's actually much, much more vibrant. It's much brighter in terms of what you were watching. I know that I watched it when it was a little dim and then I've gone back since then and I've watched a couple episodes of season one and I've noticed the change in brightness and contrast. Hmm. So very cool to see that. Clearly that's something that, you know, that faux pas or that goof up did not happen in season two. Yeah, uh, It's still just as vibrant in terms of its design, if not more enjoyable in terms of some of the the action elements that they have 
how they've done some of the, the, the fight direction for this. And then again, one of my favorite things consistently is how they flip back and forth between different styles of animation. Oh, yeah. So it might be something that looks extremely fluid in terms of, you know, seeing uh, Miko and, and five actually fight a glitch and then suddenly it switches over to like an 8-bit or like a pixel art animation yeah. and kind of continues for like a very short segue. Or even the credit that. sequence, which switches over to like the, the pixel art kind of like SNES generation uh, side-scroller beat-em-up kind of visuals, which we loved. And they'll do that in between some yeah. of the episodes as well. So to kind of see that peppered in there is just a delight to kind of watch when they do that switch and then they just seamlessly jump back into the action that they have that's in hand. I want to say probably one of the more action-packed episodes just in terms of design is when you're introduced to Ridley and you're taken to her lair. Yeah. There's a large kind of cat dragon that you end up Horn. seeing. Yeah, that you see uh, Miko fight. And there's just watching her kind of navigate seamlessly back and forth, left and right, kind of strafing as action and as these fireballs are coming towards her while the camera is almost simultaneously panning from like right to left or left to right yeah. at the exact same time gives you this unbelievably nice fluid display in terms of how she's weaving in between combat before she deals this major blow at the end of that sequence. Super fun to watch. I just, every time that that came up, just the, the kinetic energy and the fluidity in terms of how they look in this, it, it just stands out as being amazing. Stuff, love to watch stuff like that. I'd love to have a technical kind of chat about that with the team because it used to be kind of your traditional, you'd have a storyboard, right? So you'd have the artist come in and just be like, here's your camera angle. It's fixed. And here's the, here's the storyboard for the, what this scene is going to be. And then, yeah, you obviously transition from one uh, quote unquote camera to the next. But I feel like within the last maybe decade or so uh, animated, uh, features, especially in TV series. You can do this, obviously, in, in big feature-length CG 3D films, because you have to, because you're, you're in a fully realized world. I'm talking specifically in, in uh, uh, 2D kind of hand-drawn animation, that style. Now you've got, yeah, you've got kind of a 3D world and that kind of moving camera, and you've got, for lack of a better word or way to say it, you've got like actual camera direction. So you've got what feels like a fully realized lived-in set and that gives the animators and the directors more freedom to kind of move around. And yeah, you can move in one in one pane, and your background can move in a different one. And they've done that before, but it just feels like this show and some recent shows have added a lot of depth and a lot more kind of dynamic camera movement to what is probably normally a difficult process. That's probably actually pretty difficult to not only storyboard... Uh, so if you can kind of like skip past that and just get to an animatic stage where it's a lot easier to show things and how they want the camera to move, how they want the characters to move. Uh, it's just the fact that we are talking about it and paying attention to it, it feels like it's something relatively new or at least something that Glitch Text does really, really well. So I really like that. Um, I will say another thing to kind of add to that. These aren't just the characters themselves. They have a lot of kind of accessories that... Some of them have like a, a transparency to them. I remember when we talked Symbionic Titan, that was one of the interesting things about that sort of animation was because there was a semi-transparent kind of see-through goopy slime kind of state that it was like, that seems difficult to animate because it's really difficult to kind of draw. You need like the computer effects and stuff to kind of help with that. Glitch techs have all kind of gizmos and hollow screens and sort of pixelated visors and holographic displays and all kind of stuff that's going on at all different times, and it just looks visually really interesting, and that adds to the depth uh, of those characters to make them kind of pop and stand out. It's a big difference when, like, Miko and Fives gear up versus when they're just kind of in, like, their normal street clothes. You can see that difference. It's, it's almost like the level of, like, a Power Rangers difference where it's, like, a night and day. It really is, They look like yeah. different characters, yeah. You bring up characters, yeah. Dave. I want to kind of focus on characters because we're on introduced... Mitch, nothing but on... Mitch. For the rest of the episode. Are we just going to talk about... Are we not going to talk about Mitch's hair changing part of the way through the season in terms of his I, design? I don't, I, I don't know what's been going on with his hair as I as I casually brush mine out of the way. I, <laughs> new new product, it, new styling routine. Yeah, Who knows? For me or for Mitch? Uh, gotta, I mean, both. You just got to tussle a little, <laughs> little bit. Mitch gets a lot of... Uh, 
sort of story arcs in this one. I don't know how old Mitch is or how long he's kind of been at this game. It could be like three years. It could be like 30. I really don't know how old Mitch is supposed to be. Um, but he gets some interesting stuff as far as the lore goes, especially how it ties into kind of the game world and the gaming industry in our world itself. Mm-hmm. That was pretty interesting. But what else did you have in mind? Well, I talked a little bit about the character Ridley. Yeah. And so we we are introduced to a new character very early on in season two called Ridley. She is a modder. Yeah. And I love the idea. If you have played games for any extended period of time, you know that, you know, for a lot of games, there is a big modding community. I played a lot of Unreal Tournament. And I'm talking about like not Unreal Tournament, like 2K4, like original (laughs) Unreal Tournament. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like. Uh, game of the year 1999 edition <laughs> ut uh i played that a lot but you know we we would end up modding and creating our own levels and having a lot of fun with the different objects that we had and and things that we could make inside of the the game engine when it came out so being able to see all the different facets of gaming and the gaming industry and and the different personas that are present is really kind of fun to see that natural evolution in terms of where glitch text can go for season three and beyond. Yeah. And I like that they added modders in as part of the mythology, because what it does is it introduces kind of a next level or a wild card or to me, Ridley is very much like Entrapta from She-Ra. They have the exact same energy and I love them uh, equally as much because they're both kind of like, they understand the rules of the system, and then as soon as they understand them, they just want to break them apart and see if they can put them back together in a better way or a different way or just to see what happens when they do. And I love that kind of chaotic energy, but also the kind of science-y, tech-y, street smarts that they, that they bring to it. And Ridley was really interesting in how the character came up in this show because the introduction does not go quite the way you think it will. And then eventually when they come across Ridley again... It's not a traditional kind of story, which I appreciated. I like the way it kind of played out. Right. And Horn, I mean, you got to love Horn. Yeah. Horn is a great character, which is a a modded Chomp Kitty. Yeah. Where Chomp Kitty is one of the, I think, first glitches that you're introduced to in episode one, uh, because that that is the something that five kind of alludes to that uh, he has knowledge of being able to play Chomp Kitty because he's playing it on his break, uh, the back of the food truck. Uh, showing like a bunch of kids like what his skills are and everything like that so uh, to be able to kind of see that modded and kind of changed with Ridley's own specs super fun to see so I love that Uh, you mentioned the idea of kind of expanding the possibilities and and kind of moving beyond that that BBE that big entrapta energy that they have that's going there and this season does a great job of kind of expanding what the capabilities are and and who is involved uh, in this world. And so Dave, we have, we know we have, are living in one town and we know that we have a neighboring town yep. that is available. Uh, there's, you know, some, some jurisdiction issues yeah, between different glitch tech groups. I, I thought that was a really interesting thing that they added in. And it also is a smart way to increase the number of characters. Um, it's a really easy way to introduce conflict into the story. That's not like, you know, this, this show is not, oh my god, every season the world's going to end and we have to save it. And oh, we did. It's like, it actually takes some like somewhat smaller, kind of more focused, character-focused stakes. And it introduces things like, yeah, that kind of turf war between two rival uh, groups of glitch techs. Which I thought was a really clever thing to do. It was a lot of fun. I feel like I want to get to know that other team a little bit better, but hopefully season three. And it's very funny because there's one character that you see in sort of the like along with five and and miko in their hq that they have in their hanobi hq and this character has green hair and then all of a sudden it switches over where then you see them in the new towns glitch tech group and and they even reference it and they say hey when did you do this she's like i transferred yeah it's no big deal yeah super super easy kind of like you know way to kind of expand yeah uh, you know, kind of pull back some of those those Shrek onion layers in terms oh, no. of what you have that's available. I know. It's Look, like the callback. <laughs> just more Shrek. So, or or don't. I'm fine. Definitely don't. Uh, I will go on, but more glitchex. And so, to kind of evolve and, and change what they have that's available in this universe, it's fun. It's also super creative because we have some exposure to some of these new characters that are there. You also just get great references. 
it is impossible not to look at this other glitch tech group and not think to yourself, oh my God, this is the Ginyu Force from the Frieza saga in DBZ, yeah. and not begin to flip out a little bit. Even the character No Name, which I love No Name, and love No Name, they had some great quips that they traded, like, you know, when, you know, asking him if this was like, did he forget to enter in a character name for his avatar when he started the game? Super fun. There's also. A lot of fun mystery there. Who yeah. is no name? He wears a helmet. This is a fun thing that you can play with in a season three and beyond. Yeah. Holy crap. It's like they're setting themselves up for success <laughs> in the long run. That's true. It reminded me of Naruto too, when they found like when you found like different schools or different clans yeah. from different places and you got to introduce like a whole new set of characters and that world just expands. You know, when you meet like the sand nation uh, folks or whatever and, and you get to just see like it's a bigger, wider world out there. So, granted, right now it's pretty much only like two small cities, um, but it's twice as many as we had in the first season. So I really like that. Yeah. They also introduce some fun things because we, we've talked about Ridley with the modding, but there's also the whole idea that this new glitch tech team brings, which is hacking other teams' gauntlets. Yeah. And their gloves, which is super fun. If you have ever played <laughs> certain games, say maybe a Goldeneye, where you know you can play big head mode, being able to see that kind of thought or idea moved into this show, perfect. Yeah. It's spot on just in terms of like its humor. If you're a gamer, you recognize this immediately, like making one aspect of a character enormous and then just kind of having a laugh at it. It's not something that they need to linger on. You no. know what the joke is if you've played games, you know, over the last <laughs> if you've played like, games. If you've played games, period. But I actually like so, the kind of rivalry they set up too, because it's kind of technically in the handbook that you're not supposed to sort of poach a glitch from another uh, techs, uh, sector. Was it though? It sounded like it was an unwritten rule. But that's the thing. So they, they, they say that, that kind of like trickles down like, Oh, you're not supposed to do that. But then we learn that there's kind of like an older rivalry that, uh, comes down from the sort of older managers of each of the individual groups and they have a past as well. And there's a lot of mystery with that past, which we find out kind of in the, in the very final episode of season two, which hopefully there's more to talk about, uh, there in season three. You got other you good stuff? I got so many other good things. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Mitch. You know, we we get a little bit more in terms of, like, his family yeah. and the lore that they have that's there with the with the Furious 4 <laughs> and, and the whole idea of, like, streaming. Yeah. And, and you know, having, uh, like, playthrough videos. As you learn when you discover that Mitch had a streaming kind of a Twitch TV persona called Mitch FTW, very fun to kind of see some of that incorporated into it. And kind of how his family relates or doesn't relate to him. And sort of what needs to be repaired in terms of that family dynamic. Or just in terms of the house itself. I mean, <laughs> it's a real it's fixer. It's a mess. Right? Yeah, it's a yikes. mess. It's a real yikes. We get a lot of family stuff, though, too, talking about Mitch. Mitch's character is really well done because I hate him. Like, I absolutely hate Mitch. Yeah. So when they hit you with like the family stuff and his his previous life and there may or may not be an episode where he kind of uh, turns into a nice guy for a while. And whether that's for real or not, you know, <laughs> is up to you to watch. But when they do stuff like that and they actually make you feel some some sympathy for him and, and uh, some empathy even, uh, it's just good writing. Because I'm just like, man, I really hate this character. And now I feel bad because they made me feel bad for hating this character. So well done. Here comes the gut punch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the emotional gut punch. Right. 2020 has had a lot of those. Uh, there's like, some other fun family stuff, though. Like, I'm... I remember in season one, we really liked Five's grandparents. They run right. the the sort of fusion uh, taco truck, food truck. Yes. But we didn't get to see much of them. We saw them at the beginning. They were kind of our introduction. And then that was about it. Everything was kind of focused on Five's and, and learning uh, him learning how to become a glitch tech. And starting that relationship with Miko and all that. So it was okay, but I was like, man, I really want to see more of them. We get a couple glimpses of them in season two. So that made me happy to see them come back, to see them just as kind of like fiery and energetic uh, as ever. Way more energy than I have, uh, which I appreciated. <laughs> so it was really nice to see them back. But we learned more about Five's other family members too. And right. I don't know if I'm fully ready to talk about that. I, I may save that actually for the next section. But we do learn a bit more about Five's dad and what's yeah. been going on there. What were your thoughts on that, or do you want to talk about it in the next section? We, we can talk about it in the next section. Okay. I will say that particular episode served as a great way to be able to inject and talk about a little bit of this world's gaming history. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I, 
this is hard. I have been playing <laughs> games since 1985. I'm yeah. 40 years old now at this point. Yeah. I have every single system that I've ever owned from a Sega Master System through every iteration of a Nintendo console. Uh, but are to... you getting the Atari VCS? I don't even... What is that? Oh, boy. We'll talk about that later. Okay. All right. <laughs> Pro- probably. Okay. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I even have like a, a very old game system that my dad uh, had given to me. Uh, it was like whatever came after the Odyssey. Mm. So I've got just a, a ton of stuff in this museum of games that I have in a closet that's upstairs in a bedroom somewhere. I play games frequently. I'm, I'm way too enthusiastic and excited about the end of this year with like the new console generation and everything Man. that comes up. Yeah. I should also mention that I, at a previous point in time for about 15 years, I was also a software engineer. So there were times where like I worked on like making small games or like I mentioned, like modding stuff within like Unreal Tournament. So this this hits a real sweet spot for me in terms of being able to show their version of Pong is called Ping. (laughs) All the little subtle changes. Holy Uh, crap, is it rewarding. What was it like? Like B-Box? I can't remember the name of it now. But all the the little names that they had to tweak just slightly to not be like copyright infringements. Um, Yeah. I mean, Space even Invaders like is Unicorps. Yeah. Yeah. I love all that stuff. And they do a really good job with it. They must have had so much fun just coming up with oh. kind of all the lore and stuff for that world. But yeah. They have this entire book at one point where they, they reference B as yes. coding. I think that's in my and LOL. Yeah. I think so as well. But I it for me it was a good thing because I like to see Hector five reading this book, kind of getting involved in it. And it's also very challenging for me because they're they have it within like a bracket. And Dave, I know that you're aware of this, but it's inside of an HTML bracket. But C++, which I'm sure they're referencing, is an object-oriented pr- like programming language. And so there was a part of me you that I was to like, your glasses up I just, like, I was like, oh man, my nerd is showing right now. But I was I was super pumped about it because, the, yeah. again, these, these fun little finishes that they put on everything have to be so enjoyable for them to write yeah. and for them to kind of pivot off of what exists in reality to include them in the show. And it is so rewarding to watch. Or even stuff like bringing ping to life, you know, if it happens to be glitched and get out into the real world, like what would, what would the pong slash ping, what would that do to <laughs> our structures in the real world? But I love that they also had a portal Easter egg with that as well. There's a moment yes. where they kind of set up uh parallel, like an infinite corridor uh, portals that they try to trap the ping in and it doesn't quite go the way that they planned. Cause if you guys have ever played portal or watched any of the speed runs, which are insane as an object goes between those two portals or like travels through them, it carries momentum and that just keeps going and going and going kind of infinitely until you break that cycle or it just breaks the system entirely. So they had a lot of fun <laughs> with that in the show. It was really neat to see. There are a lot of really cool Easter eggs though, too. Like uh, Donna Bailey, there's a, a moment where I was like, I know that name. I couldn't, place it at the time i had to google it but donna bailey maybe donna bailey apologize if i'm saying that wrong one of the original programmers behind centipede now talking about retro original kind of genre breaking games industry like icons centipede so i love that there's a moment where i think the town was called bailey and uh there's a sign that's sort of like welcome to bailey or something to that effect and uh the sign just gets shaken up and the remaining letters that are left are donna bailey so i thought that was nice there's a couple streets. One's named Zetamore. Another one's named Spengler. You should you should know. I'm testing your nerd uh, cred there, but you should know what those are from. I mean, if you don't, who are you gonna call? Yeah, exactly. To get those answers, probably just Google. Google Busters. Yeah, yeah. Google, Google Busters. <laughs> There's a lot of really fun Easter eggs. Way more than I've picked up. I'm sure. I'm definitely sure. Right. I mean, we even have. You know, we mentioned that Bit has some different iterations of him as well there's a moment where he kind of looks like a tachikoma from yes. ghost in the shell yes at one point which is a little I, unnerving actually i it's, it's unnerving but i flipped out when i saw oh, it, it was, it was great like, but i was that? also like oh no what's about to happen oh my yeah. god speaking of unnerving there's a moment where uh, i wanted to make a gif of this there's a moment where uh miko gets kind of captured not really fives is trying to find her and uh this is where we meet ridley and miko kind of says to himself or to bit or to somebody he's like Miko has been captured by somebody with like incredible access to technology and there's no telling what they could be doing to her. And they show this kind of like side shot of Miko (laughs) with a bunch of like cable 
conduit, whatever, in the back of her head, and her face kind of, like, detaches like a robot, and she just turns and faces the camera and says, Why? And it was the most disturbing thing in probably this entire season, but I loved it. It was just so out of out of nowhere, but it just kind of made you, like, sit up a little closer and pay a little closer attention, just be like, what just happened? But, yeah, luckily she's fine. Miko's fine. Just the nonstop references to games that exist. Yes. Those little tiny Easter eggs and touches. I want to play Fire Age 4 and the DLC for it. <laughs> I doesn't? really want to play that, yeah. I mean, I have been playing Breath of Fire, if that was what it's maybe a nod to. I'm sure it's a nod maybe. to probably everything. Dragon Age, every, everything. Yeah, every, every, every fantasy like, RPG epic. Yeah, that yeah, we played yeah. on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Yeah. 100%. I'm for it. Or even today, yeah. I want to talk about one of my favorite characters okay. as kind of my final point in good, uh, Zara. Love I Zara. love Zara. And we did we in season one, too. More... We were like, this is really cool. Yeah, we wanted to see more of her, exactly. We wanted, we got more of Zara. Thank you for including more of her. We get a fun little kind of twist yeah. during some of these episodes and, and some character development. Really, really enjoyable because so far, everything that you have seen between everybody that's been on this show has been platonic. Yeah. And it's been really nice. It's great to see a platonic friendship between, you know, uh, between Hector and Miko and, and everything that they've been doing. You know, there's no suggestion that they're, they're flirty. They're friends. They're staying friends. This is a great relationship, but a positive relationship yeah. to see. And then we have Zara that is kind of a little bit interested in Hector. And that's she a very fun is. aspect in terms of what's there. Plus, in a, at a later point, maybe they get a chance to kind of play the jealousy angle with Miko. Not that she's interested in him, but just the attention. Yeah. You know, in terms of like... Just the drama. Is... The emotional right. drama. Yeah. Right. To play that that's up fun. a little bit. Yeah. Because they definitely... Like, one of the other great things about this show is that relationship. So in just about every episode, there's obviously the kind of like action-focused uh, plot and conflict about Miko and Five mostly going out to solve a glitch, to deal with a glitch. And it's usually focused on like a different video game or a different title or a different kind of nerdy, you know, Easter eggy kind of thing, which is fun. But there's always an emotional conflict that is resolved by the end of the episode, usually a conflict between Five and Miko. So it could be something like uh, something happened in each of their pasts that they either do or don't want to talk about. And they each kind of have to come to grips with that because they're, they're more or less forced to by the uh, the events that, that happen. Or one of them is vulnerable and the other one maybe unintentionally takes advantage of that or is there to actually be supportive. So they really play a lot with these uh, emotional conflicts. And more often than not, they're resolved at the same time that they resolve the kind of like action-based conflict too, which is really fun because you get to see both of those plot points tied off at the same time. So it makes her a really rewarding watch. And it's just good storytelling, because if you're over here in the corner while, like, a dragon is, is setting the place on fire, and you're over here in the corner having, like, your emotional resolution, and then you're like, cool, now we're back on track, now we can <laughs> fight the dragon. That's okay, but it's a lot better if you do it at the same time. Like, learn to support each other, learn to trust each other, learn to work together, and you solve both, both of your problems at the same time. Really well done. Can I say one that more was... thing for the good? Oh, 100%. I wanted to check in with you. Yeah. How are you feeling? So good. What else you got that's good? So good. Everything's good in What's this good? show. Two right. two standout episodes for me. One was okay. uh, Buds. Buds is a fantastic episode. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it when I was about halfway through the episode because I was like, I know what's going on. I don't know if I like this kind of pod people take on things. But I think you they didn't did like a... the invasion of the body snatchers. I wasn't this? sure at first because, you know, I was like halfway through and it was one of those things where it's like, I get it. I'm not the target demo. I've seen you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, all those kind of uh, similar movies. So, like, once you get that, you're like, okay, I know what's going on. And it it was a little slow, but it's, it goes back to just what I was saying with the emotional kind of stakes in the show. That's what that episode was more about. It was more about the kids, the techs, kind of through their clones, through their sort of alter egos, <laughs> this reflection of themselves at, like, you know, their best or their, their previous memory of, of what they think they should be, or what they aspired right. to be. That was way more interesting to me than, like, the kind of, like, sci-fi uh, Vine 
plant thing replacement. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was super fun, but it's a great example of how they resolved an action-based conflict and an emotional conflict at the same time in a really cool episode. Um, did right. you have a standout episode at all? Because I had one more. Uh, I think it's the one that you're about to talk about. The clip show? Again, yeah, because I, man, you know, we've watched enough and we've reviewed enough it's anime just, for this show to yeah. realize that when you get to the clip show, ugh, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks, do I want to watch this? Do I need this? And it was very weird because the, the conceit is that there's somebody that's in this room that might actually be a glitch, like a glitch in human form. Yeah. Like werewolf. Personified. Yeah, like werewolf. So they, they end up playing werewolf between the six of them yeah. to try to figure out who is actually the glitch. And if you've been paying attention, Miko can't be reset by the gauntlets. And so it kind of makes a little bit of a strong case that they dig into. By the end of it, I was like, this is the clip show that I want. And I feel like you know why, Dave. Well, yeah. And, and just to elaborate on your point a little bit, too, uh, with the fact that Miko can't be reset and everybody's like, that's weird. You're weird. Why are you so weird? So that right. separates her from the group a little bit, even with five. Um but also the fact that, like, Ridley recognizes, it's like she recognizes something familiar in her. She's like, oh, you're like me, you're a modder. And that's the first time you hear that there's this, like, this modder ability uh, in the world of glitch techs. And they didn't really develop that more just yet. So I'm kind of wondering if there's something there, if there's something about Miko we don't know yet. But all of that is playing in the back of your mind while you're sitting with these characters you've spent, you know, 18 episodes or whatever with so far. And you're like, is Miko really a glitch? Is this kind of like a, a, a Wreck-It Ralph situation? Vanellope situation? Like, is this what's <laughs> what's happening here? And it may well be. We don't really know. But the reason I think we both like the clip show is because they actually made it fun. Because they changed yes. stuff. They didn't take it super seriously. It also wasn't lazily done. They didn't just literally cut clips together with a little bit of a overarching narrative. They... They added cat sounds. They added farts. They, they had all that, kinds of stuff. That was stuff. the most surprising and funny moment yeah. when they ask Bit, you know, replay uh, like a a section of, of Mitch, you know, like landing certain jumps, but add fart sounds. Yeah. And every time he hits the ground, it's like. Yep. It was great. It was childish so and it was hilarious because yeah. otherwise it gets kind of stale. Like I like that they introduced the idea. It's kind of creepy, but Bit is essentially like, Oh, yes. We're watching everything you do from every angle at all times. Little, yeah, that was a little, like, 1984 kind of weird surveillance. But it also makes sense of why I I like the meta-ness of it, where it's just kind of like, yeah, we've been watching everything. Like, we are the cameras, essentially. We are watching everything that they do. So when you get to see that clip show, it, quote-unquote, makes sense. Uh, But I I love that they tweaked it, basically. Uh, But I like that they... Uh, they added those little things to kind of make it interesting, to make it funny, and to do what those kids would do in their situations, which is like remix it, cut it, warp it, change it, and make it their own. That was very make much it into the, a like, pop song. Yeah, they 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 literally like remixed some of the stuff and they added some tracks to it, and <laughs> some of it was really good, some of it was just super dumb, but it was a lot of fun. That's how you do a clip show, right? Because it also right. catches you up on the story. Because you're like, yeah, I understand that Mitch didn't fart every time he, like, did a cool jump or a kick or whatever. But, like, I laughed, but I also learned everything I need to know about Mitch from that episode. You also get a return of a very particular character from HQ to kind of come in yes. and add some additional mystery to what's going on. Is this, would, can I say that this is an interesting point to kind of transition over to our bad section? I think so, yeah. We have a lot of mysterious threads that are kind of out there, and... You know, they're they're bad in the sense that when I watch something, I'm like, oh, man, I really want resolution to this. Yes. I, I'm going to say that it's bad if we don't get more seasons in order to get that resolution. Yeah. I, this is, it feels like this is the, dire- the direction and the momentum that this show is building in order to go that way, to kind of come to a resolution to explore some of these ideas, such as, I don't know, like my critique from, my, from episode 266. Why is Hanobi releasing these products if they're only going to fail nonstop? <laughs> this seems like a really terrible business plan and idea. We didn't get much from like the the company behind the scenes. We're still very focused on like these two stores, and that's it. Yeah. You and and 
you're right. And I feel like at the very end of season two, you get a night, like it begins to pose a larger question of why have some of these things happened yeah. between say the managers of these Hanobi stores there. It feels like there's a larger corporate conspiracy that's at play. And I'm interested in and it's I'm, been, I'm on board. I'm on board. It's been going on for some time unless uh, I can't remember his name, but the manager, unless he's really aged poorly within a few short years, but it seems like it's been going on for quite some time, like at least yeah. a decade. Um, you don't really know how old he is. No, I can't it's really tell hard. how old there's a great scene yeah. though, where they, they show kind of multiple <laughs> slices of photographs of him. And, uh, <laughs> Wow, man, I can't remember the line that one of the kids says, but they're essentially just kind of like, yikes, it's like a real reality check of like how rapidly you can age. So it was a real reality check for them. And it was funny to watch that kind of uh, as people who are probably his age or older. Uh, Yikes. Um, I think all of my bads, for the most part, for this show don't reside with the show itself or even with the creators behind the scenes. It's the Netflix handling of it. Um, If you guys are... Time for a stern talk with, with your our dad, son, Dave. Netflix. If you guys are somehow halfway through this particular episode and haven't watched any glitch text yet, uh, I think we did okay with not spoiling too much stuff. But don't watch the season two trailer because I did, thinking it was going to be more of a recap, more of a like, here's a tease of what's coming this season. No, it just straight up was like, here's some plot points that you'll find out when you watch the episodes, which I don't want. That's a minor thing. That's a marketing thing, and that's no big deal. But the fact that Netflix has done pretty much zero to actually support the show, to let people know that it exists, and the fact that like that social support and awareness and those numbers that they look at is actually important to getting that show renewed. Now, I know that we've talked about DreamWorks and their sort of deal with Netflix in the past, but that's that's DreamWorks too, you know. Uh, they usually have like a bulk order up front that they don't necessarily talk about publicly, and then they meter out those chunks of seasons as uh, chunks of episodes as seasons throughout a year or two. I don't know if that's the case with glitch text. It very well may be. I don't know. I would tell you if I did, but I don't. So it really feels like one reason people don't want to invest in a Netflix series before it's done is because they don't want to get invested in a show and then not have a resolution to that show because Netflix randomly decides to cancel it. Now, 2020 is a bit of a different year, obviously because of COVID stuff. But at the same time, they've often just kind of axed a show in the middle of a story. So if they're not going to commit to telling a story, and this isn't just a pile on our son, Netflix, uh, our other sons, the networks, <laughs> have been doing this for decades, too. <laughs> we are fathers of all media, apparently. Networks have done this, too. They've done it for years and decades. But nobody likes it. Nobody likes getting invested in a story and then not seeing it resolved. I would rather have a bad ending than no ending at all. So... It's, oh. it's tough. I want people to watch glitch text, but I also understand why they would be upset. Sort of like a Gravity Falls kind of thing. Imagine if like the last, I don't know, 12 episodes of Gravity Falls didn't happen. It's kind of like people would be out of their minds about it. So right. I get it. And I'm hoping that with uh, Nickelodeon behind it and maybe they get renewed on Netflix, maybe they go somewhere else, but I just hope that we see a resolution of the story. The only issue is it feels like there's a lot of story left, so I don't know how short yeah. their runway is and how they can how they can wrap it up if they need to do it uh, expeditiously. I I really hope that they don't. I think yeah. that this show has enough to be able to prove and Dan, you're probably listening. Please don't make this a Quibi exclusive. I'm not I'm just not going to I don't know. I'm just not going to you know, okay. A We're Quibi, a Quibi That's cartoon. my other son, Quibi, that, that I want to talk about. That's the right. son we don't talk about. That's the son we haven't talked about. We don't talk about that my, son. You know, we, we talked a little bit about in our season one review about understanding sort of, is this going to be a bunch of non sequiturs? Yeah. You know, is this going to be a larger villain or a larger plot that's at play? I feel like that plot is kind of rounding out. And I enjoy the non sequiturs yeah. in terms of like what we're getting in, in terms of showing and, and emphasizing that friendship. You know, we had a lot of episodes, a couple episodes where you learn more about Miko kind of coming to Bailey for the first time. And, and some of the challenges with being a new kid in town, there are two particular episodes that yeah. really dig into this that are a lot of fun. Something that I'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about that we sort of left off, which I guess is maybe a small criticism is what happened to Miko's family? She's got a rather large family. They're just kind of not there not in season, season two. Yeah. Again, it's it's fine. It's one of those things that I feel like if given more time and more seasons, 
they're going to have the opportunity to really kind of dig down into some of that because I feel like there definitely is an impact. And that environment has really kind of shaped, you know, Miko and, and her experience and her personality. So it's it's very fun to see. That's it. That's yeah. it for Bat. Uh, so I, I have something that I want to talk about because I'm on the fence of where I, where right. I think this is. Because a couple okay. things I've seen on Twitter, you, thankfully there's a ton of fans of Glitch Techs out there. And let me just get into it. We learn about Mitch, or, or I'm sorry, we learn about Five's dad. Right. We learn, and this is getting spoilery, so if, again, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the season, pause it, go watch the season. Don't watch the trailer. Uh, we learn that Five's dad was a programmer. He was technically a hacker back in the day, and he kind of ran around with a crowd that did much of the same thing. They were into games, they were into coding, they were into programming. They were into all the same things that, like, you know, Five's generation is in, uh, is into. But his dad kind of paid a heavier price for that for reasons we still don't quite know. We get a, a glimpse of it. We learn that, um, I think the, the line from uh, Jerry, Geraldine, who runs the retro game store, she says something to the effect of even white hat hackers go to prison. So Five's dad's in prison, and that's why he hasn't been around. So Five right. calls him once a week. He makes time, you know, makes sure to, to call his dad. He gets his, like, one phone call a week, I guess. I don't know how that works. Um which I'll talk more about in a second because I don't know how that works. So my first reaction to that was, you know, five, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he is, is he of Latino origin and Asian origin? I believe so. So we don't hundred percent know what five's kind of background is. And that doesn't matter except to say that if you have a minority character, then it kind of made me cringe a little bit when we find out that his dad's in prison. Because my first kind of gut reaction to that is kind of like, ooh, uh, I don't know if I like that for a lot of reasons. Because I was just kind of like, why does that have to be the case? And then also, why does it have to be this specific character whose dad's in prison? And why are we just learning about this now? And a lot of questions about that. But before we get too much into that, I will say, uh, I saw a tweet from a fan of, of Glitch Techs, uh, specifically in Season 2, specifically this kind of plot line that said, thank you for having that representation of kids out there with incarcerated parents or incarcerated caretakers. And I, that, that thought never crossed my mind. And that's why I love stuff like this, because it presents uh, a new perspective, a new reality that I, I haven't had. So I didn't even think. My first thought was just kind of like, uh, why would you do that? That's just kind of like... That's kind of either lazy or I don't know what that is. But if it was intentionally to reach out to those kids who may have an incarcerated parent and just be like, it's okay. Like, that's a reality that a lot of people face. And if five can get through it and still have, you know, a meaningful life and, and a, a positive connection and uh, ongoing communication with his dad, then you can too. So I'm torn on that, man. I don't know what to think about that. But I was glad that it was there to talk about, and I'm glad that people have picked up on it and, and spoken up about it on social media. But what's your take on that? No, I, I think it's it's interesting that they put it in there. You know, the challenging thing is, is I'm going to say probably during the time when his father was a programmer and was a hacker, you know, and a white hat hacker is actually an ethical hacker. Right. But it's it's challenging because it carries, again, the stigma of being a hacker. And so there, there are a lot of challenges that kind of come along with that. And if he was an early game developer, coder, programmer, tinkerer of that nature, kind of coming up and defining those different classes of hacktivism and, and kind of what has taken place and what we're now comfortable and familiar with yeah. in like even the workforce. There are people who take certified ethical hacker as a certification to be able to legally hack certain things. Yeah. And I'm going to venture to say that a lot of the people who are kind of in those early stages or were those trailblazers in that industry probably sadly paid a price for some of the work that they've done. And I think that's a really interesting kind of focus and, and way to kind of hint at maybe what happened or the direction that that, you know, that Five's dad, that Hector's dad kind of encountered during that point. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, again, kind of like you, like I, I, like I'm saddened to kind of hear that news in terms of what's there, uh, but I'm hopeful that it's something where, you know, his dad can get out at serve some point and kind of participate 
in a little bit more of Hector's life. Like, I, I kind of want to see that in the show. I also feel like there's that mystery, too. Like, I feel like there's more to that story yeah, than we know. Has to be. It's mystery. It's these mysterious <laughs> Well, it has strands. to be because of also what we learned from the manager, which I won't get into spoilers. But, you know, the idea that this is kind of a, like a Men in Black type world where anybody, with the exception of Miko, can kind of be blanked, can be have your memory erased almost literally anybody but Miko. So that opens up a lot of storytelling possibilities where it's kind of like, yeah. we don't really know the answer. Um, but I will say my knee-jerk reaction to that was, I was upset because I had just watched the High Score documentary on Netflix, yeah. which actually features a, a group of like white guys back in the late 70s, early 80s, who quite literally were hackers, not kind of like how they're represented in uh, media and movies a lot of times where you're just furiously typing on a keyboard. These guys were literally patching into the code and patching into hardware for um, arcade cabinets. So they were going in and taking the guts out of arcade cabinets, writing their own code that would be kind of dovetailed in with the existing code. So they would kind of hack the uh, Atari game systems because they were they were providing a service for um, arcade owners. Because if like if you would go to the arcade and you'd put your quarters in and you'd beat this game and that was it, you were done. Like there's no reason to play it again. They would essentially add, they would tweak difficulties, they would add extra levels, they would add characters, they would just add small things that just made it uh, made you want to come back and play the game again. And obviously the arcade owners loved that because they didn't have to get rid of a machine. They didn't have to buy a brand new machine. All they had to do was pay like, you know, a hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks, whatever. And these guys would come in and install their, their widget, their mod, and then they would have tons of quarters, tons of kids playing the game. These guys were actually sued by Atari because they were taking their IP and changing it and making money off of it, which made sense. But what's crazy is Atari then was like, uh, if we lose this, then we're going to have everybody coming out of the woodwork and doing the exact same thing to our games, and we're going to lose a ton of money. So let's just hire them instead. Yeah. And they that's the part you. that was frustrating because I was like, that could have happened in this show. He could have been hired and then kept, you know, an NDA or, or sent overseas or there were other options, but now I'm on the fence of whether or not I, I like the way that they went. And it's hard too, because you even see there are major software corporations that put out bounty rewards for bugs. Yeah. Like help us break our stuff and then show us how you broke it yeah. and how you hacked it and we'll hire you and we'll pay you a bounty for it. And it's crazy because people do that as a job. Yeah. People do nothing else but that sometimes. That as a sounds job. fun actually. It's crazy. I mean, I mean it sa- it sounds like a super ton of fun. Yeah. I just I hate the point that I'm I'm like I am so far into my life that dedicating 8 hours a day to like learning something like that I'm Starting like that over. sounds fun. Where do I find the time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that that's it for uh, me as far as the the gripes I kind of had. Most of them are with Netflix marketing model and uh oof, the rest of them were with that kind Listen of up, son. questionable yeah son quibby son get out of here quibby's just like in a corner just gnawing on a piece of leather just yeah, leave him alone they'll be fine for a few I'm, minutes i'm okay with it yeah they'll be fine <laughs> let's move on to some of the lol some Please. of the things that made us laugh intentional unintentional i feel like i've talked a lot about some of the things that yeah. i found really funny like the the different kind of nods to to different IPs and, and video game history and, and culture and things that are there. Yeah. Dave, what do you have that you found that was really fun? Uh, pretty much everything that Ali, the kind of uh, chocobo, does. <laughs> because it's just, the, the creature doesn't talk. It's just like a giant ostrich that they ride around. But this poor thing, uh, pretty much everything that that bird does. The derpiest sounds, it's and so I funny. love it. Yeah, they're great. Uh, what else? So I meant, I mentioned some of them, like the weird shot of Miko with the like cables out of the back of her head made me laugh, but also was <laughs> very scary at the same time. Uh, Mike Sims. That was so. The reveal funny. was so good, though. <laughs> the reveal was so good. I was like, oh, yeah, I can understand why Mike Sims would irritate some people. Um, little Easter egg stuff like. You know, most of these characters are just playing video games most of the time, whether it's Dance Dance Revolution or something in VR or some giant fantasy RPG. But when they're doing that, sometimes you get characters who actually play like old school, tactile, hands-on games. So you get a couple characters playing what they call sorcery cards. uh, And they mentioned a very strong swamp deck, which made me laugh because obviously that goes back to like Magic the Gathering or any kind of those like 
tabletop uh, card game. So I, I kind of love that. You already mentioned the B++. Uh, I already mentioned the Zetamore and Spengler Streets. The Chuck E. Cheese riff in that, that episode. killed me Ooh, so hard. <laughs> it was also, it was fun because it was a Five Nights at Freddy's reference yeah. as well in some cases with the Cakey Bond Smasher yes. and... and Oh, the yeah, only that thing was that was irritating satisfying. about that episode was the robot said, uh, what was it? Must smash actor probably a hundred times. Yeah. And it was probably about 50 too many. But other than that, it was it was pretty funny. Um, and then one other line that made me laugh was Miko. Uh, I, I can't even remember. I think it was when she saw the Fire Age 4 DLC gear that Ridley kind of like hacked for them and modded for them. And she goes, O-M-M. M-O-R-P-G, and that just caught me <laughs> uh, caught me off guard in the right way that uh, yeah, OMG's not funny. Add M-O-R-P-G into that, and uh, you got a chuckle out of me, so well done. Good. Well done. It's a funny show, though, man. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a ton of fun in each and every episode. There's not really any heavy stuff. It's, it's really well done. I had one final LOL yeah. for me, which is kind of very similar to what you mentioned about the Magic the Gathering reference with the Swamp Deck and everything. At one point, <laughs> They go into their HQ and they're talking and they're playing a board game. And it's a board game that's based off a video game that's based off a movie that's based off a cartoon. Right. And just the cascade of references and thoughts for me made me giggle because I immediately looked at it and I was like, what? what? It's like that huh? could be like a few different games. Yeah. Uh, Especially in the age of Kickstarter when it's like literally any everything. company out there is like, what IP do we own? Make a game out of it. Kickstart yeah. it. Yeah. Now, now make it into a board game. Yeah, I mean, it and a, re- and a retro eight bit game. I've got a Ruby so. board game. I've got a uh, Core Legend of Korra board game. I've got a ton of stuff that was like that's not how it started. I'm yeah. I'm about to talk about. I guess I can talk about it. Uh, a Troll Hunters video game that's Ooh. coming out soon. So listen in for more on that. So it's like all those kind of that nexus of all those things. But then I liked in the clip show where they they remixed it. It was like a board game based on a video game, based on a TV show, based on a book, based on a clip show, based on it. Yeah, that just kept going. It was pretty good. It's just the the infinite loop that they could go in, which they really can go in. If yeah, I yeah. if you know if the eight hundred Batman movies uh, <laughs> tells us anything is that you can just remake that stuff forever. Yeah. Hey, look. If Zack Snyder has shown us anything, it's that you can just recut and remake the same stuff that people have already bought, and then spend another forty million dollars on it. And Snyder fans, don't get mad. He said Zack Snyder. It's a completely different guy. Yeah. It's We're not brother. talking about Zack Snyder. It's his. Not, did I say? Did I say the wrong? He said Schneider. But I'm Schneider. fine with it because that means. Snyder. Or no, you ah, well now. No, we're did I? Now we're Oops. now we're lost. Okay. Oh, don't well, care. The end. How are we spending more money on that movie and we can't get like 15 more seasons of this damn show? We aren't. Uh, I would gladly throw money at, uh, at uh, Glitch Tech's. It's really, well, I don't know. Maybe we should get to our recommendations. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> We're at the end. Dave, yeah. Glitch Tech's, mm. season two. How are you feeling? I feel Before great. And, and we should also mention, you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think we all know where we land We're on this We're not it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. If you want to talk about dips, go to last week's episode and give that a listen. Yeah, right. Here's what makes me mad about, the again, the Netflix model. Every day I have to go through and, and look at the top 10 TV shows on Netflix. Uh, recently this week, Hoops was five. I don't know what this show is. I've never heard about it. It doesn't exist, but it's on Netflix's list for some reason. And it has moved up to three. Glitch Text was nowhere on there. And that makes me really sad for a number of reasons. So I need everybody to go out there, never watch that show that doesn't exist, and watch glitch text season one and two instead uh just just do that i i absolutely recommend it it's fun for literally any age it's just it's a solid show it's a lot of fun it's super bright and colorful if you're a gamer you'll love it if you just love quality cartoons you should enjoy yourself too so absolutely go check it out what about you i'm I'm in the same boat i'm a highly recommend i would say even go in because i know netflix probably cares about this where you see the little thumbs up and thumbs down on the icon, give it a thumbs up if you like glitch text. They they take that seriously. Yeah. Go into whatever show we watched last week. Also, give that one a thumbs down. But make sure that you give a thumbs up for glitch text because you you definitely want to watch this. I, I think for all the reasons that David mentioned and more, there there's something that's enjoyable, immediately accessible. Even if you aren't a gamer, it's just a great quality cartoon yeah. that really kind of stresses and emphasizes friendship. They have so many kind of enjoyable references. And as we've mentioned, 
there are little Easter eggs that they, they seed in there every once in a while that make even us, Dave and I, who have been playing games since birth, you know? Dave was born from an Atari console, yeah. okay? Yeah, these things Still got the happen. plugs in the back. It's weird, but mm -hmm. we don't talk about it. And you also only ever see the front of him. Only from the this, front. If you are watching this in the video podcast portion of the show. <laughs> if you're in the audio, it doesn't matter. Nah. Nobody cares. You just yeah. hear some feedback every once in a while, and that's all it is. There it is. And so it's, but this show is worth your time yeah. to watch season one and season two. I can't wait to say it's worth your time to watch all of season three and beyond. Yeah, that'd be great. So thanks, Nickelodeon. Go watch Glitch Tech. Yeah, thanks, Nickelodeon. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, kind of Netflix. Get your stuff together. Get your house in order. Sick of this. <laughs> Speaking of people who I'm not sick of, you heard him on this episode. Perfect. Our friend Bobby Anthem and me with perfect segues. Yeah. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, along with his co-host Bobby Blades. Find him on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. Bobby also has a solo show. It's on a little bit of a hiatus right now. It's in the exact same stream. It's called In Search of My Lost Soul. Comes bundled along with the stream for Inhuman Experience. So find Inhuman. You also will get In Search of My Lost Soul for freeze. You can check them out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, just about anywhere that you find podcasts. Hey, Dave, what do you got going on, buddy? <laughs> Same old stuff, but just watching Glitch Tags on repeat is leaving that TV on 24-7. Uh, and when I'm not doing that, I'm over editing at Collider.com. You can check me out there if you want to chat me up. Find me on Twitter at DrKalawMD. And if you just want to read in the quiet time, solitude, peaceful hours... Check out The Science of Breaking Bad from MIT Press, available on Amazon or wherever those books are sold. What's going on with you, bud? Dave, as always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X, exclamation point. You might be asking yourself, how do you do this during a pandemic? Well, it's streamed into the comfort of your own home via YouTube or Facebook Live sure. that they have that's available now. doesn't matter. You can find tickets and times. All shows are free. WitDC.org. Again, Knox, N-O-X, exclamation point. We've been having a lot of fun with them. Uh, they've been getting real silly, very goofy. I love it. Hope you do too. Check it out. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Paul Ellis. And if you want to hear my entirely improvised comedy podcast, it's called The Bureau. It poses the question, what do four goofballs that work for the FBI sound like whenever they record a podcast in their break room or a skiff? We have been having a great time with this has some notable guests that we've had previously which is isabel galbraith as well as also jamal newman and our buddy jesse chimes we've been bringing in guests this season season three is happening it'll nice. be out later this year on netflix so check out the bureau on netflix so get it together weird son <laughs> um, want to support us yeah this show saturday thank morning you. cartoons yeah thank you you can go over to our patreon just search saturday morning cartoons remember morning with you on patreon super simple you could be a patron we appreciate it yeah. also don't have don't want to be a patreon we get it you can just tell a friend because you know why we don't understand how apple itunes works guess what i don't even think apple understands how their recommendation engine works guess what we also don't care <laughs> slide into our dms on twitter at morning tunes just remember morning with you check us out on ig and facebook at saturday morning cartoons drop us an old-fashioned email saturday morning cartoons at gmail.com you can find all these links and more in the link tree, which is the link that's in the bio for all of our social media sites. You can even recommend a cartoon to us as we've had some people who have recently reached out again. And guess what? Cartoon lawyers blowing up again. Now, oh, we, have to, now we have to watch these damn cartoons. Oh, no, I thought they were Crap. appeased. Nope. Like a or, sacrifice to the gods. Oh, uh, Guess what? Your boy's also back again. So here we go. Hey, nice. <laughs> hey. Yeah. And you can listen to this show, as always, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Thank you so much for listening. And <laughs> we are going to glitch out for the rest of this episode. So no worries. <laughs> Thank much. you guys so much. Stay safe. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Quibby, get out of the corner. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me. I have to transform and roll out. <laughs>